Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and a biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Goodham, Pastor Brett Bow, and Pastor Adam Mosier continue their discussion on the small called articles. Being Lutheran is sponsored by the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary, establishing students in the eternal and inerrant Word of God for a life of faith in Jesus Christ and faithful service to His kingdom since 1964. To learn more or apply, look at FL bc.edu Welcome to the Being Lutheran podcast. I am Pastor Brett Bow and I'm joined by Pastor Jason Goodham and Pastor Adam Osher. All right, welcome back and you know, I, I where are we Jason in the in the small called articles? We are we... on article or a part I do right time. away. I just <laughs> Man, I just fumbled that like a Bears quarterback. We are on part two, article three of the small called articles. We're getting close. Subsection Subsection 3.8A statute B underscore (laughs) alpha beta bravo. Uh, Yeah, and generally, where is that again in the... (laughs) Yeah. No, it's, I mean, I, I think if I had to do it all over again, we would yeah. have just gone with uh, 1.2, 1.3. Sure. And yep. so, like, yep. you know, because that's how I do the files anyway. So we're on small called article 2.3. There you go. On cloisters and chapters. Chapters Ooh. and cloisters. I inverted that. Nice. Hmm. Yeah. So what is that all about, Adam? Cloisters? Like, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I when I think of cloisters, do you guys know those things <laughs> that you put under like... Uh, you know, plates and things on doilies. Decor- doilies. doilies. That's what I always thought cloisters were. I thought they were the same thing. So you have the doilies, you have the cloisters. Uh, apparently, it's where people just kind of hang out in like uh, yeah. bunkers together. Is that what? A, I mean, is that a fairly reasonable definition, Brett? Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah. All I know about cloisters are they are a great way to get nine points in Carcassonne. Hmm. Play the board game Carcassonne. <laughs> nine points if you play it right. Uh, the other thing with cloisters... Are like, a clam mixed with an oyster. <laughs> yeah, it's when a clam and an oyster has a baby. <laughs> That's what it is. That would be delicious. I, well, thanks I, for listening, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> I legitimately can't hear the word cloister in my head without hearing crocodile hunter Steve Irwin. It just naturally... Cloister! God rest his soul. <laughs> yes. All right. So, got all that nonsense out of our way. We're, we're really going to be talking about... The purpose of Christian education and the abuses and temptation to withdraw from society sure. for the purpose of being elitist. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that, that's good. And that, you know, they were speaking to you know historically what was happening, but it probably takes different forms through the years. And, yeah, and so it's not necessarily against those things, but you know, speaking like you're saying positively um, about uh, education in that way. So. Yeah, uh, let's. We have a lot of good things to talk about here, um, and so maybe let's just start with that. Like, you want to start with the article? No, oh, why don't yeah. you read it for us, Brad? <laughs> you're you're so worried about getting the naming convention uh, oh, wrong, you skip man. right past it. That is funny, and actually, you know, it's funny. I don't have it actually pulled up. I, can I read it? Today? Yeah, go go ahead. All right. Oh, yes. <clears throat> so this is what it says. That foundations and monasteries established in former times with good intentions for the education of learned people and decent women should I like that decent women decent. <laughs> I can't even do this should be returned to such use so that we may have pastors, preachers, and other servants of the church, as well as other people necessary for earthly government in cities and states, and also well trained young women 
to head households and manage them. Where they are not willing to serve in this way, it is better if they were abandoned or torn down than that they, with their blasphemous worship devised by human beings, should be regarded as something better than everyday Christian walks of life and the offices and orders established by God. For all of this, too, is contrary to the first and chief article concerning redemption in Jesus Christ. Furthermore, they, like all other human inventions, are also not commanded, not necessary, not useful, while causing dangerous and futile effort besides. The prophets call such worship avon, which means wasted effort. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, thanks for reading it. Thanks for bailing me out. I got you, Brad. Yeah, Don't thanks. worry. Yeah, so, you know. Formally, formally have destroyed any notion of show prep on the part of people who had just started <laughs> listening to our podcast. To be fair, we, we had some good pre, you know, yeah. pre-production meetings, and Brett was so enthralled in the scripture, which we'll see in a couple of weeks, that uh, that he, he probably forgot to look up the article. Yeah, yeah that, that is true. Yeah. All right, well, this is a, the Scooby-Doo episode where the mask gets pulled off and... Yeah. Everybody gets to see what we're I had no like. idea you were old man Higgins all along, Brett. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> all, right. all right. So anyway, good. yeah, the, <laughs> I think the maybe the interesting little phrase or ex- expression that pops out is is just talking about some of these things being founded with good intentions. And not everything that has a good intention is carried out well. Um, so why is this a, something that, uh, you know, the, speaking to the cloisters and monasteries, why, what, what are the good intentions and why did it go off, off kilter? I think that's true with anything, isn't mm-hmm. it? You know, the, the intentions matter. The... Except for cooking with kale. <laughs> no good intentions in kale. I, I don't know. I, I once no, no, that's another story. But in, intentions matter, right? Yeah. And I think that what was originally, and we see this all the time in institutions, they're started for a purpose, and then they continue on for the sake of um, you know perpetuating the institution itself. And sometimes there's no longer a need for that. A good example, and this maybe gets a little bit political, but as the COVID coordinator at our college, when all of that went down, Minnesota required that each institution of higher education have a COVID coordinator. Um, up until, and, and I mean this, up until this current time, I get emails from Minnesota Department of Health telling me to report my caseload on my campus of COVID. I mean, we are so far out. I mean, I, I don't know that we had a case of COVID last year. No idea. You're still supposed to report zero. And I realized there was a time where that was probably really critical for following certain things. We're at a point right now where they don't need to know that, but those people still need a job. That institution still exists, but it doesn't at all reflect what the initial purpose of it was. And I think that's exactly what was going on in this time. So, so Luther says that, that they were established in former times with good intentions. They wanted to train people in the faith. They wanted to train people uh, to go out and serve in vocations. They wanted to train people so that they were biblically knowledgeable, so that they could learn, uh, you know, learn Christ and to, to make him known. And at the end of the day, they turned into something that became kind of a, a badge of honor, that I, I belong to this, this organization, I belong to this club. And uh, that's uh, that's where it falls off the trails. And this is where we see in the in the uh, confessions where we see Luther really start to rail on monasteries. You know, this is yeah, kind of yeah. you know the unvarnished Luther a little bit on this, where he talks about how that's been so unhelpful because ultimately it's not about these uh, organizations of piety. It's about uh, what are those things doing for the good of the first article of redemption, Jesus Christ. That's really what he's, he's making the point he's making here. Yeah, this is an, another really good place for us to emphasize uh, the whole point of Lutheran doctrine is not to be anti-Catholic. 
that we're not throwing out the baby with the bathwater. We're not, you know, the phrase that's too Catholic does not compute to Luther as such, right? And so, Mm -hmm. you know, we're not even throwing out monasteries and cloisters and nunneries and all of these other things just because that's what they are. As Luther here admits, look, if they were serving their original purpose, it would be well and good and the the church would be blessed by them. But what we've seen, and, and this is putting modern parlance into Luther's mouth, but what we've seen is mission creep. And and that's the whole thing he's dealing with is that you are founded for a reason and then you self-perpetuate to the point that where you are and where you begin are so far apart, it's almost unrecognizable. What's interesting is that we've seen this happen in the Lutheran church in the last 150 years. And and actually, we've seen this happen in the Lutheran church in the last 75 years, both in the AFLC and the LCMS. LCMS in the mid-70s went through the whole Seminex thing uh, with the seminary down in St. Louis and in mission creep. And are we an academic institution? Are we a theological pastoral training institution? And in fact, the, uh, the whole thing with uh, the founding of the AFLC uh, after the history of the Lutheran Free Church, what what started that avalanche was when Augsburg College drifted away from its original purpose and became just a standard liberal arts college embracing most modern liberal ideologies in the 40s. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, what I do Right, I'm the, I'm the dean of a college. Interestingly enough, uh, one of our faculty members was looking uh, to buy a house. This is a number of years ago now. Um, he was looking to buy a house, and it's near our campus. In fact, he found a property that was adjacent to it. And so when he was uh, talking with his realtor, uh, the realtor didn't know that he was associated with this with this school. And there was <laughs> some um, there was a postcard I think that that realtor had put together of oh this sits right this house sits right next to a silent monastery next door. You know the back. <laughs> yard is basically adjacent to a silent monastery. Yeah. And I was like, I know this place. It ain't silent. Not even close. Yeah. I've had way too many visits of very polite and kind Plymouth police officers saying, can you guys just keep it down a little bit over the course of time? Right. But we, um, we exist as an institution, uh, much like this. And, and we can easily be accused of, you know, this, um, this idea that we are in a bubble, that we are, are bringing students into a bubble for the sake of this. But ultimately we exist for the exact reason that's being described here. It's mm-hmm. it's good inten- intentions of of having to educate young men and women to be able to chaste um, and modest women, chaste and modest, de- decent as my yeah. decent translation women. says, decent women. Um, <laughs> we can all celebrate decent <laughs> oh, women. There are so many ways I want to go there, but I'm, I won't. Uh, but the whole idea of of our institution is that we're training people to go out and serve in vocations. And that's exactly what we want to do, but we're accused of the opposite. It's interesting. And and I I guess I launched right into that because I mean, that's very much an application of this article, but we, um, as I was looking at what you said, Jason, about how we came from the Augsburg college kind of focus where we, we lot that mission creep or the change of mission, you know, as we look to um, establish different things within our program and you're on the board. So, you know, this well, Jason, but as, as we're looking as uh, a school, what do we do to move forward? We are sitting in a room right now, right next to a, um, 
a framed poster of what our mission is. And so as we look to things we want to do, we don't want to change that. Our, our mission is to establish students in the eternal and inerrant word of God for a life of faith in Jesus Christ and faithful service in his kingdom. And if it doesn't fit that, we don't want to do it. And and that's that's something that we need to be careful of. That's what was happening kind of in a different way. You know, instead of becoming a liberal arts college, which is the, you know, the, the accusation that sometimes, you know, the concern that people bring to us, in their day, it was, we just want to get together in these kind of pious clubs. You know, it's like a country club without golf or good dinners. You know, that's basically what was happening. And, and Luther says, that just doesn't work. Let's train people in Jesus Christ for their vocations. Yeah, it's, it's a really interesting situation because knowing a little bit of the historical context coming out of this helps you see but both what the purpose was and how far afield they'd come, right? It's, uh, I'm, I'm about to give any church historian who's listening an aneurysm, so I apologize <laughs> ahead of time because I'm going to oversimplify about 800 years of church history. But the Reformation comes right in the middle of a massive transition in Western civilization where you are moving from subsistence living to, for the first time ever, having a middle class. You know, the the middle class really is established uh, at the dawn of the Industrial Revolution, you know, right, late 1700s, early 1800s, so we're not quite there yet. But with with the development of the printing press, uh, education is more widely available. And and, and the problem was is that families on a subsistence economy, you're really only focused on the oldest son, Uh, you're focused on marrying off your daughters well, and then uh, additional kids are more or less kind of uh, a burden. You know, it's, it's a struggle to feed them. It's a struggle. And so you had these cloisters, you had these monasteries, you had uh, even the very earliest universities, these, these children uh, who are all after the oldest child, they're, they're not factoring into the inheritance. They're probably not going to be trained in the family business. You know, your job is whatever family you were born into. You're a cobbler, you're a shoemaker, which is the same thing, yeah. idiot. A, a cooper uh, and a, a tire maker. Yeah, a cooper yeah, and a tire, like... yeah, a, uh, a Nike, oh no, what? <laughs> a medical doctor and a physician. physician. Yeah, yeah, all those all things. Those things. Uh, you're, you're that. And, and you apprentice under your parents and your parents live with you and, and everyone works. And then you become an adulthood, uh, you, you enter into an adulthood and you got to find something. And so a lot of teenagers were being shipped off uh, to these cloisters, these monasteries, these universities, almost as boarding schools because their families couldn't afford to support them and they weren't... Uh, born in the right order, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? And so the, you know, Luther mentions, he, he lists off, you know, that the, the cloisters and the chapters existed to educate men and chaste, uh, good men, decent women, chaste women is a different translation that's used. Uh, <laughs> they're also functioning in the church mm-hmm. as seminaries mm-hmm. for those who would enter the ministry, especially the priesthood. Uh, they become a, a lot of ruling uh, monarchs in, in ruling class people in the 1500s, 1400s, 1500s are trained at monasteries for, you're trained in the languages, you know, you're getting a modern education. And so that uh, serving in administration, that's kind of education was important. And then just teaching people how to be functional adults, right? You mm-hmm. know, it's almost like that, that sounds almost like what the original goal of the public school system in the United States was, you know, mm-hmm. talk about mission creep. Yeah. Uh, then Luther's like, if we're doing that, great. 
but we're not doing that. Right. Mm-hmm. And the uh, yeah. and the mission. And you get yeah. in your second breath. The the mission creep happens at the intersection of vocation and real life. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that as, yeah. as soon as the focus starts to be we're not loving our neighbor, then it becomes a place of prestige, mm-hmm. and then the church starts teaching that the monks and the nuns and the priests and the abbots and the cardinals all get into heaven for free. And, and so, what better way if you have six kids? And three of them are boys. You got to do something with those two sons. Well, I can't do much for you because we're just barely scraping an existence. So I'll put two of you into the church life, and at least you get to heaven for free. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, yeah. That was yeah. I, I think you're probably going to have some historians having an aneurysm right now. Dan Van Voor, he's going to be yeah, calling yeah. me up yes. and saying, "No, no please, no, no. Uh, <laughs> yes, please have nine one one on speed." Di- yeah, um, no, but no. That I think that's relatively accurate, though. And I looking looking at that whole um, that picture of. Not, not just that, but this idea of personal piety is is going to get me somewhere good, you know, and that that was what Luther had fallen into. He, he's speaking as a man who had, had had been in this. He had he had known exactly what was going on in in this uh, setting, and he had lived it. And, and he recognized, like, I was there, guys, and this isn't what it's supposed to. You know, this is what it was supposed to be. This isn't what it is anymore. And and he's warning against that. And he's a man who had this transformation in his own life of going from this idea of this personal piety so that he can find righteousness with God and recognizing that the righteousness was never his to find and to, to procure for himself, but it was to be received. And then he goes out and, and expresses as a righteous person, uh, all of the different vocations and roles that he has. And I think of, you know, just this, his, his biography, you know, getting married to, to Katie in life when he did and just recognizing that, Hey, you know, all of these things I had sworn off, this is actually a good thing of God <laughs> and there are pigtails on the pillow now or whatever he said, yeah, you know, yeah. that was his, his right. line, but it, they, it's, they, it's like they, they turn into like the anti-vocation establishments and, uh, and I think we'll probably get into that more in the next episode of, yep. of, uh, just that intersection there. But I, I love what you guys are saying here on that. Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 the whole end game was to withdraw yourself from as many neighbors as possible. So that's easier to love. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Easier to fulfill a vocation, easier to fulfill that into the law if you only got seven people to love. Ah, ooh, mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think, you know, in some ways, we're still kind of wrestling with that in our, our world today. You know, what's old is new again. Um, I, I know that, I, mean, I don't know if both of you guys have read the, the book, The Benedict Option. By Rod Dreher. Uh, Rod Dreher, at, you know, just wrestling with what what would that look like in, in today's society. And so, I don't know, do you guys have any comments of how that idea maybe intersects with what we're talking about here? Yeah, it's, uh, I have thoughts. I've read both of his books, uh, The Benedict Option and Live Not By Lies. Uh, In my opinion, Live Not By Lies is much better than The Benedict Option. I agree. They speak Uh, to different things. They speak to different things. He's speaking to totalitarianism in in the Live Not By Lies, and there's a lot of excellent things in that book. There's, I mean, I really, I loved that book myself. The Benedict Option, I struggled with a little bit. Yeah. I think that he missed, yeah, it's tough. And, And I think we'll talk about this when we get into the Old Testament lesson um, in a few weeks, but the 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 idea that he has is you know Christians need to have the, each other's back and kind of be together because the world's not going to put up with it, right? Am, yeah. I, am I summarizing his book well? And, and that just Luther saying that 
that's not healthy. You live in a society and as Christians, we can't cloister. We can't hide, you know, hide away. We need to be vocal. We need to be living out in, in, as we're going to say this word again, vocation, right? So yeah. What were you going to say, Jason? In my obnoxious Lutheran way, uh, again, (laughs) no, there uh, there is a, the catechism is my hammer and everything looks like a nail. Uh, But literally my thought when I was reading the Benedict option is that Lutherans can do this better. We have better answers to yeah. the conundrums yeah. he's trying Good. to address. And the answer is catechesis. Yeah. Right. So he is arguing for Christian communities, like almost arguing for Christian safe spaces. And he still wants people to be in the world, but in coordinated, controlled ways so that we can withdraw to our Christian safe spaces. And, and the, the most common response, and, and Dreyer's responded to this several times, you can look it up, that, that people are misunderstanding it. But I, I think it's a well-founded argument that literally every time Christians have tried to withdraw from society, it ends up bad. It ends up poorly. We, we, we completely miss the mark. And uh, in the Lutheran church, and maybe even distinctly in the AFLC with our congregational piety, the answer to Dreyer's conundrum is that the congregation is that community. Yeah. That that's where we should be educating right. uh, the, our, our Christians yep. for life in the world. That's where we should be encouraging Christians to a life of vocation where we're loving our neighbor in ways that draw them to Christ. Yep. And that the church is where we retreat you know, once, twice, a couple times a week to be refreshed from the burdens of the world, from the attacks of the world, without it being a withdrawn elitist bubble. You know, and Hmm. I will say this, even uh, saying that the the church, the congregation should be the community, is that the the immediate temptation of the congregation is that you become a country club. Mm -hmm. And we want to avoid that too. Mm -hmm. And so there's... That's another mission creep. Yep. And and the the whole point, which is why this is so very Lutheran in concept, is you find that tension and you live at the place of that tension Mm -hmm. where you're not immersed in the world, but you're not withdrawn from the world. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, to pull in another book, uh, probably... Dietrich Bonhoeffer's best work, Life Together. Life Together. Uh, I mean, yeah. that, that's kind of another example of that. Um, it's funny. You guys think of all these very Lutheran and, you know, pious things. I think of Brave New World by Aldous Huxley. <laughs> um, <laughs> truthfully, yeah, when, I, when I read yeah. this, and, and, and if you've read the book, you'll, you'll understand it, but it's it's a world kind of opposite of 1984, where, uh, you know, society is just, you know, uh, controlled and automated, and and people aren't having, you know, marrying and, and having kids. The, the, they're all created in labs, all these things, and people, when they're when they're sad, they just take some drugs, and they feel better, and, and they go out and have fun, and, and pleasure is, is really the drug that, uh, that really wins the day. But in the book, there is this. Um, there, there are these reservations, basically, where people like the you know who who lived in the old way uh, live, right? That they have kids and everything. And in the the point Huxley is making in that is just kind of the irrelevance uh, uh, that that you know that that group uh, has in society. And I think Luther's saying we have absolutely solid relevance. In, in the world that needs to be um, 
propagate. It needs to be, it needs to be sent out there. It needs to be good. And in, in Huxley's world, it's these people cloistered away that are, are really, they just, they don't make any sense. They're not doing anything good in the world. They're just simply perpetuating a system for the sake of perpetuating a system. There's no love of neighbor. There's no, there's no influence on society. And I think uh, Luther says the educated Christian influences society. Yeah. Almost Mm. Amish. In, in that sense. Yeah. The other thing that popped in since we're bringing up just random literature <laughs> topics, uh, uh, another good comparison. The Cat in the Hat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly. Jurassic Jason's Park by Michael book. Crichton. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Fahrenheit 451. Yeah, sure. Uh, sure. The, the, yeah. the intentional communities that bind together to memorize works of literature before they're burned. You know, there is a Christian undertone to that, that a catechetical undertone, really what it is. But you, you still have this uh, of hiding from the general masses instead of being out and among it. And uh, the, the Christians living in the Roman Empire, sure, they went underground for protection, but they still lived in Roman society. Mm-hmm. And, and that's how they, I mean, it was their uh, testimony in uh, taking in orphans. Uh, that you know won over people and things like that. So there, there is this necessity that Christians are in the world as the hands and feet of Christ, drawing people to the gospel by loving their neighbor. Mm-hmm. That's nice. good. Nice. Well, I I thought you were going to talk about uh, Frankenstein. He was on his yeah. Well, we're going to yeah. get it. Let's just hit them all. <laughs> no, I, I think uh, that's probably a good good place to end. Um, yeah, I. I was trying to find a verse here to, to kind of. You got that itch from Brian. I, I know, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was trying to find the verse from from Jesus. Uh, That's not John. a book of the Bible. I know, and I know. From first uh, Jesus. First Jesus, yeah. <laughs> John seventeen is that the? Yeah, I you know I, I asked that. Fear not, I, I have overcome the world. Yeah, that not to take them out of the world, but yeah, it's yeah, John like seventeen, yeah, seventeen ish somewhere there. Maybe I could read that. Your word, you know, sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. That's yeah, seventeen seventeen. Yeah, this right. is good. We'll anyway, we'll figure it out. Yes. We'll we'll say it next week. It's a good Amen. solid radio. We'll start with <laughs> nothing that next like week. finishing strong. <laughs> I did not start strong. I didn't finish strong. All right. Anyway, we value we'll, consistency. Next week, podcast. Brett's going to be <laughs> all over this. All right. Uh, please listen next week. It'll be better. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com. Also, invite a friend to check us out on Spotify and iTunes. Please join us next week as Pastor Jason, Pastor Brett, and Pastor Adam continue their discussion on the Small Call articles. Do you know a student who would benefit from the training at the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary? Encourage them to apply at flbc.edu. Applications are open for both fall 2023 and 2024. Start here, go anywhere, grounded in God's Word.